Salo Falava, this is Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. I'm Susana Suzuki. Coming up. Basically, his condition is well. It's been a year since Kiwi pilot Philip Mertens was taken hostage in West Papua. Also, any questions with regards to the Privy Council decision would have to be diverted to the Secretary to His Majesty. Tonga's Deputy Prime Minister says differences will be solved the Pacific way. And later on, a senior official in PNG is alleged to be linked to a drug scandal. This week marks one year since New Zealand pilot Philip Mertens was taken hostage in West Papua. Mertens from Christchurch was working for Indonesian airline Susi Air when he landed his small Pilatus plane on a remote Paro airstrip in Induga Highland, Papua. He was accosted by rebels from the West Papua National Liberation Army who claimed he had entered a no-fly zone. They torched his aircraft on the runway and took him in as a hostage. Caleb Fotheringham reports. After he was kidnapped and his plane torched, a video soon emerged of Philip Mertens. He was wearing a Free West Papua t-shirt and was surrounded by rebels armed with assault rifles and bows and arrows. The rebels pledged to release him if West Papua was granted independence from Indonesia. More photos and videos have circulated since. Akobo Do, chairman of the Diplomatic Council of West Papua National Liberation Army, says he was in contact with the people who have Mr Mertens a few days ago, and he is well. Basically, his condition is well, and he's looking after by the humanitarian team of the TPNPB. Mr Doe says the Liberation Army was never going to and never will kill Mr Mertens and the threats were only designed to get international attention. That's the tactics. It's about the techniques, how to advertise. Like, you know, when you're running business, you might be, you know, advertise the very good one to attract, to attract your customers or, you know, to attract any, anyone who wants to, you know, interest it. That's, that's part of the strategy. The liberation fighters were originally demanding independence in exchange for Mr Merton's release, but now Mr Doe says they just want to talk with both New Zealand and Indonesia. He claims the two countries have not spoken officially with the Liberation Army before. Before we say, OK, let's exchange with the independence, exchange with the guns. But now we need to talk. We need to talk to release this, you know, pilot. That's the, our policy at the moment. Andreas Hasono, a researcher at Human Rights Watch, says he's heard Mr Mertens has been treated well, but there is no way he could verify the information. However well you are, however healthy the food that you consume in the jungle, you are still a hostage. I am repeatedly asked the West Papua National Liberation Army to release Philip Mertens unconditionally and immediately. Mr Hasono says he's heard from his sources the Liberation Army have regretted their decision taking a hostage. It is a loose and loose situation for them. If the initial military attack and the pilot get injured or even killed, they will lose. If they release him for money, they will also lose. It is not a positive situation. He says an exchange of money would create a bad image problem for the independence movement. Mr Hasono says the hostage takers will be concerned Indonesia could attack Papua's Liberation Army when Mr Mertens is released. 
He suggests the churches in West Papua could act as a neutral party. Catherine Delahunty, national spokesperson for West Papua Action Aotearoa, says the hostage situation has also made life difficult for those living in West Papua. Indonesia has used the situation to increase militarisation of parts of the highlands and so with increased violence and military presence, a lot of people have suffered as well as Philip Mertens. Ms Delahunty says the decision to take a hostage was one of desperation. These people are trying to be heard. Their country is suffering from horrific, sustained human rights abuses and the struggle for independence is inseparable from those human rights. So these things will happen in desperate situations. They're not good. New Zealand Foreign Minister Winston Peters, in a statement on Monday, asked for Mr Merton's immediate release. Mr Peters says Mr Merton's contacted his friends and family to assure them he was alive and well just before Christmas. He says for the last year, a wide range of New Zealand government agencies have been working extensively towards securing Mr Merton's release. Mr Peters says there can never be any justification for hostage-taking. New Zealand's Foreign Minister says investing in the stability and security of the Pacific is in the country's best interest, and it's important for Kiwis to understand that. Vavasa Manea Winston Peters was in Tonga as part of a three-day tour of Polynesia. Mr Peters and his delegation landed in Tonga during a period of political instability with the government and the king at odds over two ministerial appointments. Speaking after a meeting with Tonga's acting prime minister, Winston Peters says political and economic stability in Tonga and the rest of the Pacific region is incredibly important for New Zealand. Because we're part of the blue continent and more New Zealanders need to understand how critical the future of the Pacific Island countries and Tongans are to our very future. We're putting the money in here because it's a serious, wise investment for the long-term security and profitability of the part of the world we live in. Tonga's acting Prime Minister Samuel Vaipulu says the government will resolve its differences with the king the Pacific way. Mr Vaipulu says they have relayed to His Majesty's office the Attorney General's advice to Cabinet that a directive is unconstitutional. We are still awaiting uh, time to have an audience with His Majesty and uh, we can find a way forward. We do it the Pacific way. We tell Anoa. While in Tonga, Mr Peters was at the opening of a new facility in Nukualofa, which will hold medical supplies and stock to provide life-saving support, especially in natural disasters. Tonga's head pharmacist says although she welcomes the opening of the new pharmacy building, a shortage of health staff to meet the nation and outer islands' needs is the greatest concern. Devaitai Asaeli says although she's pleased about the new building, the kingdom needs about 20 pharmacists when they only have seven. We are very happy that the New Zealand government are funding our new warehouse because uh, as you see this, this building, it been uh, upgraded by New Zealand government in 1993. But then from that time, it was still the stock was still, uh, the consumption in Tonga was still low. But uh, for the past uh, years, like 2010, there was a vision that we need to build another warehouse, a bigger one. So that, that will accommodate all the stocks because uh, we are the one who supply all the, the Tongan government. So um, since the COVID-19, there was an increase of the consumption and also the PPE. That's why we have uh, this overflow. It was overflow before the COVID-19, but then since the COVID-19, it was increasing. 
What are the other main health needs of the people? You get to speak to people every day and, and your team will be telling you what is needed. How can we support apart from the new building? Right now, our pharmacy department, the standard is not up to, to the standard that we should be because of the capacity building. Um, what do you mean by that? Um, I so the number of people? The number of staff that we have. For the new warehouse, we haven't had any logistics officer. There's only one stock control officer, but haven't been trained properly to be a stock control officer. So in the storeman, only one storeman and one assistant storeman. So we need to build that. We need to have um, those staff at the warehouse and also the procurement. And then uh, this is the capacity building that we need. So right now our pharmacy technician is working as a storeman because there is uh, you know, there's no storeman or, uh, working as a storeman and logistics officer and stock control. That's what they're doing now. But there's not the need for us to build the where I mean the pharmaceutical facility, the staffing, capacity building, and also for the pharmacists, because we only have seven pharmacies here in Tonga, we need to build that also. And a pharmacy technician, we need to build that also for the capacity even have a form of further training. How many more pharmacists would you like to see if there are seven at the moment? Um, like I say, it should be around 20. 20 pharmacies because uh, the outer islands there is no pharmacist there. Uh, many health staff are moving abroad. Do you find shortage of staff here also? Uh, yes, the, the turning over is um, just a bit high for us because uh, the number of our staff is so small. Like um, last year, once pharmacists uh, resigned to have a private pharmacy, and then uh, this year, one another another pharmacist resigned because she's uh, migrating to New Zealand. Right now, it's all, uh, we want to build the standard of pharmacy uh, because we haven't done the, the clinical pharmacy yet properly done. It. So we need uh, a specialized area to have a clinical pharmacist there, like the diabetic, the hypertension. We haven't there's no pharmacy at the moment right there, and also the wards. That's what I, we need to build it up to, to what it should be. So what happens when people um, have like problems with their diabetes or something like that? Where, where can they go? Oh, they just, you know, they have the special yeah. uh, diabetes. Uh, because, uh, the nurse and doctors are there, yeah. but I know that the pharmacists really help out. As you understand in overseas, they really help us. If there's what there's the need to build the capacity, either they work in the outpatient pharmacy, because the outpatient pharmacy is, is overloading, because uh, the number of prescriptions we are there is up to 400. Yeah. And then the items around 600. This oh, this too much. Too much. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what we need to build it, because uh, the clinical pharmacists can do, in the, in the Outpatient clinic, I mean general outpatient pharmacy, and also to the inpatient uh, uh, wards, and also to the special clinic, even to the mental health centers. Papua New Guinea has replaced its chief migration officer after Stannis Hulahau was linked to Maylene, who has become notorious after her arrest in Brisbane over her alleged involvement in the illegal transport of vast quantities of methamphetamine from PNG to Australia. Melin had a large number of business operations, and Mr Hulahau was allegedly linked to one of her companies that operated the Manus Island Detention Centre. Our PNG correspondent Scott Wyde spoke with Don Wiseman about the developments. 
The allegations relate to this businesswoman, lay-based businesswoman of Chinese origin who's got contracts from the Australian government to manage the asylum, uh, Manus Asylum Center. And there are several companies that she is part owner of or a owner to. And the allegations are that with his position at the as chief immigration officer, he was involved in some way or other with the dealings and, and payments and all that. So those are one set of allegations. He, he was going to be suspended, but he resigned just before his suspension by government. The woman we're talking about is May Lin, who was arrested after this huge drug deal was uncovered or d- drug transportation to, from PNG to Australia. And she's clearly got a finger in a lot of pies. Is Mr Huahau in any way being implicated in, in the drug part of her operations? That part I can't really say, and there are some allegations which it, I think it'd be safe not to delve into, but in terms of the drug links, it's yet to be established. In terms of payments to his account, there are uh, allegations that have gone to Cabinet, and, and Cabinet has made a decision, actually made the decision to suspend him based on those allegations, particularly in relation to payments made to him. This guy, Stanis Hulahau, was the chief migration officer. How was this beneficial for Mei Lin? How did she use that, allegedly? Yeah, well, it's, it's a fairly powerful position. It, it, it's a position where you get to approve documents for people to come into the country. I'm not saying that he was particularly uh, directly involved in it, but it's, it's a position that gives you a, a lot of leverage in terms of allowing who comes into the country. So it's, it's a very prestigious and very powerful position. All right. So he's lost his job. Is he facing charges? What's going on? And not yet. He's he's lost his job, I think, in the hope that he wouldn't be investigated. But he's, the investigations are happening on two fronts. So the first part, one front is KPMG being brought in to do, an, do a financial audit on all the dealings related to the Manus Asylum deal payments from Australian, from the Australian government to the companies that are involved in it. And the other part of it is the... PNG police investigating whether there are criminal links in those dealings. So two parts to it. Engagement of KPNG, according to the Deputy Prime Minister, who I just spoke to a a few uh, minutes ago, is to give credibility to that investigation so that it's it's an independent organization that is looking into the financial aspect of it so there's a proper audit done. One of the most remarkable things about this is that these poor people who were trapped on Manus Island for so long and have continued to struggle and are continuing to struggle right now uh, in Port Moresby, this was money that was meant to go toward them. Yes, there are several of them still in Port Moresby. Their final destination hasn't been decided upon yet. Australia is hasn't uh, been able to take them in. New Zealand has said it would take them in, but some of them are still in Papua New Guinea. There's been a lot of activity in recent times in PNG delving into corrupt or allegedly corrupt practices involving very senior people in government positions. It's quite a turnaround. In my view, it's become far worse than it was because a lot of people are seeing that you can get into government positions and then use that to your advantage. In in many respects, a breakdown in the public service training that used to used to happen. So yeah, it's a worrying situation that we have right now. That's Pacific Waves for today. To listen back, head over to rnzi.com slash programs. We're also on Spotify, Apple and iHeartRadio podcasts. From myself and the RNZ Pacific team, to fast way forward.